worship baby Jesus because remember, without Jesus, we wouldn't have Christmas. And that's what Christmas is all about. So we're glad you're here and uh, hope you have a big time in church today as we worship God together. I think uh, Miss Sarah Blanchard had the Happy Club bag today and she brought something special. Let's see what, oh, let's see, there's some pictures. Pictures. Oh, is this baby Eli? Can y'all see pictures of baby Eli? <laughs> baby Eli is uh, a little baby in Ethiopia, I think, that John and Anna Palmer, uh, Sabina's daughter and son-in-law, are adopting. And, uh, you know, I guess it reminds us at Christmas, Jesus, Jesus told us as he grew up from the baby in the manger, he said, love one another as I have loved you. And there are a lot of children all over the world, boys and girls, who don't have families, they don't have parents, and toys, they don't have toys, they don't have food to eat, they don't have clothes to wear, and they don't have anybody to love them. And so John and Anna are are adopting baby Eli from Ethiopia. And I think Anna's going over there in February to start the court process. And then she has to go back in six weeks to, oh, she's staying. And then hopefully bringing baby Eli home. But he looks kind of sad right there, doesn't he? The, the very first picture of baby Eli because his, his mother is dead and his father couldn't take care of him. And he's in an orphanage. And I just hope a year from now we see another picture of baby Eli with John and Anna. And he's got a big smile on his face because he has some parents who love him. We have a lot to be thankful for at Christmas, don't we, boys and girls? If we have clothes and food and a home and parents who love us, we have been so blessed. And so let's just pause right now and thank God for his blessings at Christmas. I'll pray and you pray after me. Dear God, thank you. For food to eat and clothes to wear and a bed to sleep in and parents who love us. Help us love one another. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing pictures of baby Eli with us. Miss Sabina, it's a boy's turn next week, isn't it? John Michael, will you take the Happy Club back home and bring me back something special next week? Boys and girls, I think Miss Sabina told me we aren't going to have children's worship today, so we can stay in the big church. Is that okay? <laughs> the parents are moaning. But the <laughs> All right, so we're going to stay here in the big church, so y'all go back to your seats.
old and weary With a baby inside And I wonder what I've done Holy Father
so fortunate to have with us this morning Percy and Ashley Tauba. Ashley Kelly grew up in this church. Many of you here this morning probably know her and know the story that she's going to share or familiar with it. Um, I am I'm so glad that she's here because the story of Caleb Tauba is in my mind an irrefutable miracle and when God does a miracle uh, we rob him of his glory if we don't acknowledge that and praise him for it. So Ashley's going to come and share the story of Caleb, and lest I forget, at the conclusion of our worship services, an extended version of Caleb's life is available in book form called Conquering the Giants. Ashley wrote and brought a couple of boxes of books over from Botswana with her, and they're available in the vestibule and in the breezeway. I think the cost of publishing was $12. Uh, If you aren't prepared to pick up one today, uh, they'll be available for several weeks in the Family Life Center and and in our church office, but just a a more extended uh, version of Caleb. But now, help me welcome Ashley Taba. Good morning. Um, As Brother Wayne said, my husband and I are missionaries in Botswana, Africa. And when we went back to be missionaries in Africa, I had this picture of what I thought missions would look like. But when we went back, I took my nine-month-old baby girl, And for those of you with small children, you know that life-changing conversations are quite hard with small children who need constant attention. But I did get involved in some neighborhood evangelism, and we invited people into our home, and we got involved in the local church. But it just felt like I was only impacting a few people. And I felt like, God, why did you bring me back to Africa to be a housewife, is what I felt like. And I just felt like I could be doing that from the comforts of my home in America and raising my children with their wonderful grandparents. But I kept feeling like God said, this is where I want you. So I continued to try to be obedient. And we stayed there, obviously, in Botswana. And then life got even more challenging when I gave birth to my second child. I went into labor with a healthy baby boy. But the doctor was in a hurry, and he ran in. And um, instead of giving me time to push naturally, he used forceps. And he put the forceps around Caleb's head. He put his foot up on the bed for leverage, and he yanked Caleb out. And as soon as he was born, I knew something was wrong. He didn't cry. He wouldn't suck to drink milk. He wouldn't grasp your finger. But the doctors just kept telling me, no, he's fine. Don't worry about it. By the third day, I knew something was really wrong with my son. He'd still never cried. He'd still never sucked to drink milk. And he still wouldn't grasp your finger. He just laid there. And so we arranged for an emergency air evacuation to get out and get to South Africa. One of the things you need when you take an evacuation is you need a referral letter from your pediatrician in Botswana to write a referral letter to the pediatrician who would receive him in South Africa. Now, the pediatrician had told me basically nothing the whole time we'd been in the hospital. So I asked him if I could see a copy of that letter, and he told me that's none of your business. So when we got up in the air, I asked the medical rescue men if I could please see a copy of that report. Now, remember, the pediatrician had told me on more than one occasion there was nothing to be concerned about. On that report, he had written, 
His kidneys have already shut down, he's vomiting blood, and he's having recurring seizures every five minutes. When we got to South Africa, they examined him and they said, it's a good thing you brought him here tonight because he would have been dead by morning. They were dehydrating him in Botswana. The only thing we can figure is that the gynecologist must have made a mistake with the forceps and the pediatrician, who's a major stakeholder in the hospital, tried to help him cover it up by dehydrating and slowly killing him. And then we would have never known about the mistake. And so Friday, he was stable enough to go for brain scans. When they went for the brain scans, the pediatric neurologist in South Africa looked at them and said, this is horrific. I don't think I've ever seen anything this bad. He said, um, the brain scans show us that you went into labor with a healthy baby boy, but because of this doctor's mistake and then because of the pediatrician's lack of care for the past five days, your son, the, the forceps cracked the skull and the brain has just been bleeding for the past five days, unattended to. And now, I mean, there's holes in the brain, there's lack of, I mean, the whole brain was damaged. And he said, um, I'm not sure your son will ever see. I don't think he'll be able to use the right side of his body. <clears throat> I don't think he'll ever know right from wrong or be able to have memories or concentrate. This is horrific damage, and I'm really sorry because it was totally preventable. So we had to now deal with that, with forgiveness of the doctors, of trust in God when life did not turn out the way we thought it was going to turn out. But God gave us strength and got us through all of that. And by the time we left the hospital, we were there for three weeks, and God walked us through the whole time. And by the time we left, we even felt like God had told us that he would heal our son. And it's hard to walk in faith and not by sight because, obviously, with newborns, they just lay there, whether they're brain damaged or not. But slowly, over the past year, we saw God continue to just heal Caleb. And even though the follow-up scans continue to show that the brain is severely damaged— Caleb has met every single normal childhood milestone to the amazement of the doctors and to the glory of God. And so when he turned one year, I made a YouTube video to just celebrate what God had done in Caleb's life over the first year. And so I want to show you that video now.
For the first time from his back to his stomach today. There you go. Really? <laughs> Don't take your hat. Um, hundreds of emails from around the world began to pour into my inbox with people sharing about how Caleb, God had used Caleb's story to encourage their walks with God. And then an email came in from a publisher asking me if I'd be willing to write a book on Caleb. So obviously, I wrote the book. And since releasing it in Botswana, God has done amazing things. Um, within two weeks of releasing it, I found out that the president's sister had bought ten copies of the book 
had given the president a copy and had taken some back to their home village to their family. I had two separate neighbors that I've been trying to reach with the gospel for the past two years, totally unsuccessfully, and both of them separately bought books, liked it so much, they came back and bought more and took them back to their workplaces. One is a nurse <laughs> and one is a senior management in the biggest bank in Botswana. I had a lady right before I came home who read the book and sent me an email and said, I was so touched by your book that I was wondering if you would come and share the gospel with my family. They're not Christians. I'm the only Christian in my family, and they're not responsive to the gospel. But I feel like if they could hear your story, they would listen to what you have to say. You know, I had dreams of what missions was going to look like in Botswana, but I probably never could have dreamed that I could reach the president or that I could share the gospel with my neighbors, and they would, non-Christian neighbors, would go and take it back to their workplaces, or that people, strangers, would call me and ask me to come and share the gospel with their family. I had this boxed-in method where I was going to go and tell people on my street about God. I would host Bible studies in my home. I would be involved in the local church. And it wasn't working the way I thought it was supposed to work. And I had questioned God and asked God, why did you bring me here? I thought you had a plan to use me. And now I look back and see that God did have a plan all along. But it was greater than what I had even imagined. And so I just want to encourage you today that whatever you're going through, maybe you're questioning God and you're saying, this isn't what it was supposed to look like. This is not the way I had envisioned my life. But maybe if you just surrender and hang on, God has something far greater than you could ever think or imagine in Christ Jesus in store for you. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that testimony with us. Some of you may have never sung Because He Lives at Christmas time, but I think it's good for us to remember that when the star light shone on the manger, it cast the shadow of a cross. And for us to remember that because He went to that cross, because He lives, we too shall live. Please stand as we sing Because He Lives.
May we pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful Christmas season, a time when family and friends can gather together and celebrate the birth of your son. We thank you for the gift of fellowship that you have given our families and this entire church body. Today, Lord, we're especially thankful for your missionaries who are on the field and who are away from their families. We ask for their protection and the protection of their families and also for our own members who are traveling home this week. Guide them safely back. We pray today, Lord, that all from will be given, like the Magi gave many years ago, given in a sense of worship instead of a sense of obligation. Accept these gifts for your glory and your honor. As the new year approaches, Lord, we pray that the angel's song will ring true, peace on earth and goodwill toward men's. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Savior's birth. Oh.
Thank you, choir. That was a holy night. Two days ago, renewed Christmas Day, and now December 26th. What are we supposed to do? The message is entitled, Going Back Home, Luke 2, 15 through 20. Because the shepherds went to the manger and worshipped the baby, but they didn't remain there. They turned and went back to the hillside, and I think in doing so, give us a guideline for how we are to act after Christmas. Thank you, Melissa, for singing. I love Breath of Heaven. Beautiful song. And, and Ashley, you are so right. Who would have thought that God would have used Caleb in such a powerful way? We could have never anticipated how God works. Luke 2, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying which had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary kept all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now notice the shepherds didn't stay there. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Shall we pray? Father, we would love to remain at the manger and just worship and and bow down and sing Christmas carols and kneel in awe of Emmanuel, God made flesh and dwelling among us. But as all those at the manger did, we too have have to get up and return home. And Father, my prayer this morning is that we not go home the same way we came, but there be some change in our lives, in our actions, in our words and thoughts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I often hear it said that nothing is so over as Christmas on December 26th. And a lot of folks, honestly, are happy about that. Weary with cooking and shopping and traveling and decorating and bustling around, And I guess it's just ironic that after such a lengthy time of preparation with Advent and all the stages and the build-up and the anticipation, it's over so quickly. So moving past the busyness of Christmas and back into some semblance of normalcy can, for, for many, be a welcome relief. But if, in putting away our decorations, we also put away the spirit that we felt... If in storing the manger for another year we also put away the Christ child, if in placing our gifts and other possessions we forget the love of those that gave them, then we've made a terrible mistake. Moving past Christmas does not mean that something has ended. It means that we have begun a new season. Since the birth of Jesus has meaning past, present, and future, then in a sense, Christmas is never over. We're in a Christmas season now that continues until December 25th, 2011. 
And that's the way it ought to be. And I looked at the shepherds wondering how they changed after seeing baby Jesus and what, inst- what instructions does that have for us? There's an outline in your worship bulletin. The shepherds returned home the day after Christmas. I don't know if Jesus was born before midnight or early in the morning hours, but sometime shortly thereafter, the shepherds went back to the hillside. Luke gives us quite a buildup to the manger scene, but he doesn't end it abruptly there. He describes the manger in great detail, but then he goes on to describe the effect that that baby had on all the folks who gathered there. After the shepherds came to see the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, Luke rounds off the story by going beyond Christmas. He says in verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And I can almost envision the sun coming up the day after Christmas and the shepherds going back to the hillside, rolling up their sleeves, going back to work, and their return from Bethlehem to the hillside was much different from the trip going into Bethlehem from the hillside. Does that make sense? Going back to the hillside, they were much different than they were going into Bethlehem. The anticipation was gone. The sense of expectancy had given way to the ordinary and the commonplace. And and honestly, that's the way the road back usually is. You know the feeling. Let me give you an example. You know how excited you are building up and planning a vacation. Months in advance, I go online, kayak, being, I start searching websites, hotels, flights, whatever we need, and I start shopping, and I start getting excited, and, and I try to work up Susan and Catherine. Y'all just think, a month from now, we'll be in this. We'll be, a month, uh, three weeks from now, we'll be doing this. Two weeks from now, a week, tomorrow, we'll be here doing this. I think I get more worked up than they do. I don't know. But then after the vacation and you're driving back home, there's a huge letdown. What do you do next? All great experiences have to have a road back home. And there's always a letdown. The atmosphere on the days after Christmas are much different than that on the days before Christmas. The four weeks of Advent we've been building up and we're looking forward to something and we're wondering how it might change us. And now we can look back on it and wonder how we've been changed. Jesus was born in a manger in Bethlehem. Now, how has that birth influenced our lives today? What about the shepherds? They went back to the hillside, went back to work. And so will we. But what are we going to take back with us? What will the Christmas Eve service and Christmas Day mean as we pick up our lives once more? Well, first of all, for the shepherds, they had a new experience that transformed them. Luke tells us they went back glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen in verse 20. In other words, the shepherds took back with them something that changed their lives forever. Life for the shepherds. Think about it. It could never be the same because they saw God in the flesh and it gave them everlasting joy and they were glorifying and praising God. 
they had been forever transformed that night in Bethlehem. It was no longer just speculation and argument. They had a personal, visual, firsthand experience with God. And like the shepherds, we should not leave Christmas without some kind of renewal of our own experience of God's gift in Jesus Christ. We have been reminded that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Because if we've worshipped God at Christmas, then he should transform us. The second thing the shepherds took was a new kind of love. Not only a recognition of what God had done, but as they walked that road out of Bethlehem back to the hillside, they had a response in their hearts to the love of Jesus. They had knelt and worshipped him with love and devotion. What happened to them after that? Frankly, we don't have the details. We don't know. Maybe some of them lived another 30 years long enough to see the ministry of Jesus when it began. Maybe some were on the hillside that day that Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount and and they saw him break the bread and the fish and feed 5,000 and they said, this is a miracle. I remember when this child was born 30 years ago in Bethlehem. We knew he was the Messiah and now here he is beginning his ministry, preaching and teaching. They knew his works, they heard his words, and it all rang true with what they had experienced. I don't know, Luke doesn't give us the details about what later happened to the shepherds who worshipped on Christmas. And maybe, maybe we don't have those details for a reason. Maybe we're supposed to fill in the blanks ourselves. Because how Jesus affects us will be different for each one of us. One thing we do know about the shepherds, though, is that they worship the baby with spontaneous love, and that's what we should do. We celebrate Christmas when we allow it to deepen our love and our devotion to Christ. Christmas is not just fun and celebration. It's also a time to grow in our faith in Christ. As the shepherds left that day, third and finally, they also took with them a new sense of responsibility. They had a whole world of possibilities opening up to them because they knew that the long-awaited Messiah had been born. And they could not keep silent about what they experienced. They made known to them, to Mary and Joseph, the things concerning this child. And I suppose they made known to a lot of others the things concerning that child. No doubt they made much more known, not only starting with Jesus but ending with how he he changed their lives forever. I can see those shepherds becoming witnesses to what they had seen and heard on, on Christmas Eve. Christmas reminds us that our responsibility is not only to adore the Christ child, not only to worship him, but we need to get up and go and serve him. It'd be a sad thing if we worshiped Jesus on Christmas, but never did anything with that love. A lot of folks get past Christmas and then return to their usual ruts, the old same old, same old. But what if God really entered our world and entered our lives? How can we pretend that nothing important has happened? How can we go back to the way things were before? We have to live a life for Christ and spread that word about him. We have bowed before the child, and when we 
finally accept all that he represents about God, we accept his love, and along with that, we accept his command to go and tell. Because baby Jesus grew up. He didn't stay a baby. He moved beyond Bethlehem and went back to Nazareth and grew up into a man who taught what everything in Bethlehem meant and what it represented. The child became a man and he said things like, follow me, go and sin no more. Take up your cross and follow me. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations and you shall be my witnesses. Just as Jesus grew from an infant to an adult, we have to allow our faith to grow up and develop too. So much depends on our response to God's gift. At Christmas time, we celebrate the fact that God has come in the flesh. But if we let it enter our lives, He will become our constant companion and He will grow us up to a mature faith. See, I don't think Jesus wants us to stay at the manger worshiping the baby. I, want, I think he wants us to grow and develop in our faith and go and tell. That's what the good news of Christmas is all about. Shall we pray? Father, it would be so easy just to remain at Christmas and celebrate the infant in the manger all year long and just worship and praise and worship and praise. But as baby Jesus grew up, out of his relationship with you, studying the scriptures, becoming one with you, we know he developed and matured into an adult, beginning his ministry of teaching and preaching and healing and showing us how to love and how to forgive. So much so that he was willing to go to the cross and die for the forgiveness of our sins and was raised from the dead that we might have everlasting life. Help us pick up our crosses and follow Jesus from the manger to Nazareth to Calvary. Wherever he leads, we'll go. In his name we pray. Amen. I suspect most of you have opened most of the packages that were underneath the Christmas tree. Maybe there's some you have yet to deliver or some family members who have yet to arrive. But how crazy would it be to have the biggest and best Christmas present with your name on it and leave it unopened under the tree? It would not only deprive you of a wonderful gift, but it would offend the giver who sacrificed a great deal to make it possible. That's what a lot of folks do at Christmas. Because God has given us a gift far greater than anything anyone else could have given. It's the biggest and best Christmas present ever. 
and it's your salvation and it has your name on it and if you leave it under the tree unopened you will have missed the best Christmas present of all but if you will receive it and open it and acknowledge and say yes God I need your gift of salvation because I'm a sinner and you receive him into your heart and life to change you and forgive you and become, let him become your Lord and Savior then you will have opened the best Christmas present of all. If today you want to open that present by professing your faith publicly in Jesus Christ or you need to rededicate your life or you would like to join this church, I'll be at the front to receive you. We're going to stand and sing an invitational hymn. There's something about that name. You come. I'll be at the front to receive you as we stand together.